All right. Welcome to your Missing the Point podcast for the very first installment of what I hope will be some wonderful conversations for people all around the world in regards to the weird, the wonderful, and the downright bizarre. Today we have with us Chud X and Lani from the World As It Is Today podcast. You may be familiar with Chud X from Deborah Gets Repealed and Into the Apocalypse. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for being the very first guests on my show and helping me out with those technical difficulties at the start. <laughs> Absolutely. You picked the right people because we're still learning too, so no shame. <laughs> yeah, for That's sure. That's like the... Blind leading the blind at times, and I think I'm a little bit more blind than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's uh, that's that's a pretty good analogy, I think, because we we have no idea what we're doing, no. but <laughs> but we've done it like you know three or four times, so that's uh, that's a, that's a step in the right direction. So experts compared to the layman over here. <laughs> All right, so what I thought I'd get you guys on today for was. What you're doing out in the community is so positive and it's important, especially in the way that the world's heading today. And the discussions that you're having on your show around the nuclear family versus traditional family, for me, that just resonates so much at the moment as I'm in a point in my life where my wife and I, we're looking to start a family and it seems like you guys have hit the ground running. You've got a family going and you're doing things within the agorism and uh, self-sustainability part of life that they seem to tie in really well together. Could you just give the listeners a bit of a, a breakdown on maybe how you guys met and where the story started for you two? Sure. Yeah, we met um, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. It might be 13. Um, got married two years after we met about. Mm-hmm. And we had our first son in 2013. He's eight now. And we both worked for a lot of that time when he was younger and he was in a preschool and it didn't quite feel right. So a lot of what we were working through was deciding, you know, how we wanted to live our life. And that included eventually a Chud uh, quitting work and home where we started homeschooling before our son went to kindergarten. And we had an opportunity at that time to I'm skipping ahead a bit because we had our hands in the soil and and things like that and and things going in the kitchen at our last little house. But then in 2019, we were able to move on to the 26 acre homestead that was Chud's great grandfather's. Great grandfather. Yeah. So we wanted to get, you know, more of a garden going and get chickens and and we've we've very much done that, and um, we've expanded what we do in in the house as well with uh, canning and food preservation, and that's my specialty, of course, fermenting. Um, and then in 2020, we we found ourselves pregnant again in March of 2020, which was <laughs> sound familiar, kind of weird. <laughs> gluttons for punishment you guys I don't know it's like why everyone thinks that our kids probably have like when they see me with the kids at the grocery store they assume they have two different dads because of the age difference (laughs) like no we've been married the whole time we just were like waiting for some reason and I guess it was to to carry us through 2020 and all the sad stuff that happened to be pregnant and be looking forward to that was actually a really amazing thing and because of those uh lockdowns and the situation we were in on the homestead, it really pushed us towards having a home birth with that second child. So that is another part of, you know, taking things back and learning and knowing skills that were once, you know, commonplace that people knew how to do. People knew how to have a baby without a lot of help, uh, without any fluorescent lights or doctors. They knew how to grow food and preserve that food. Yeah. So uh, the home birth. So now we have two kids. And so our younger ones eat, uh, almost a year and a half, just mm-hmm. in a couple of days. And we, yeah, we have a garden planted and chickens and eggs in the incubator and some meat birds on the way. And life's really good here. Fantastic. Now, Chad, you threw like all traditionalism to the wind when you were a stay at home dad, mm-hmm. what was the reaction like or with your family, just the, generally it's the, the man who's the breadwinner who's there, goes out to work each day, that traditional nuclear family, if you will. Sure. Was there any kind of pushback or any odd looks or odd comments you got from people in regards to that? No. Um, you know, like families were, were fine with it because they know us and they, they could see what was, 
what we were, what we were doing. Um, Lanny and I worked at the same place for the previous, however many years. Uh, so as that dynamic, and it was an auto body shop. So it was a bunch of, uh, gruff, tough dudes in the back <laughs> and, uh, Lanny was the production manager. And so she I, also, I bossed all those rough dudes around. All yep, day. <laughs> yep. She had a bigger set of balls than most of them. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. So as, so from like that work perspective, I think if you hadn't been a part of that place and I just announced to all those guys, yeah, I'm going to go home and take care of the, take care of the kids while, while my wife is still working now would have what what you know yeah. that um but because they knew our dynamics i mean they knew that that uh like who, who was more essential to this shop it was obviously you and it really came down to i really i really liked my job and i'd been there longer and chad didn't really I hated my like job, <laughs> job. <laughs> and you know there's something to be said for like a young boy being spending a lot of time with his father and so that seemed really important to me um, that not only was he leaving to homeschool, you know, this isn't book work sitting, he's sitting down at a table. This is, um, real life stuff. So he wasn't just leaving for homeschool. He was leaving to start to homestead and the kind of work that needed to be done around here when we first got here was really the kind of work you can do and not what I can do. Sure. Oh yeah, for, for sure. You know, just, uh, the whole place was covered in blackberries. I don't know if you if you deal with blackberries in in Australia, but they're canes. Plenty are, weeds everywhere. Yeah. yeah, they're they're nasty. They have thick thorns on them, and they and deep roots, and they climb high, and they cover buildings. And um, yeah, there was there was nothing we could do except, especially at the time, I had no equipment yet or anything like that. I mean, I had I had tools and things. It's not like we were living in a city before this, but I certainly didn't have, like now I have a tractor and a chainsaw. There's some, some major things that I didn't have when I first stepped out here to do that. All I had was a pair of clippers and some leather gloves. And we just had to start cutting, cutting those, those canes one at a time. And yeah, that wasn't really in the capacity of, of things that Lanny, well, not that you couldn't do it. You could no, do it if you had to, but, no, but it's I not, kind of, I feel lost in that kind of a outside when it's a big project like that and you just kind of start chipping away. So it worked really well, especially with a, a kid in kindergarten, they're not, they don't need to do, you don't need to do anything. They, they learn on their own from experience. So just him being here and outside um, with Chud and asking questions and, and that kind of stuff, that's all the learning that needs to happen when you're, you know, six, five and six. Which I did not realize at all <laughs> when I <laughs> When I, when I made that, that step, I thought that I needed to have lesson plans. I was, I was very concerned, um, particularly with family, um, like how, how our family would react to the idea of me homeschooling, uh, you know, not to talk myself down here, but, uh, I'm generally considered the stupid one out of, <laughs> out of our family. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not really stupid, stupid, but I'm not. I'm not the guy with my nose buried in a book as far as, um, you know, my, the, my stereotype within our family dynamics goes. Well, and he's not conventionally schooled. He left school after eighth grade and didn't do any high school. Yeah. So my, my family is particularly aware of that, that. And his family is all college graduates and, and, you know, intellectuals, you know, scholar kind of types. And, and so when we, we didn't really have much, uh, you know, of a side eye about the, the man staying home with the kid, but we did about just homeschooling in general, mm -hmm. like people had a lot of questions. Oh, okay. What kind of curriculum are you doing? And, you know, what's your schedule like? How are you going to socialize him? That yeah. was a, that How are was you a big socialize one, him? which I really enjoyed in 2020 saying, how about that social socializing your kids now, everybody? <laughs> well, I think that's the biggest lie that we, we get for kids is that children need to be around kids their own age and that's it. Yes. If we go back to the way that when we lived in tribes and we're hunter-gatherers, kids were exposed to everyone within the tribe. They were with the elders, they were with the parents, they were with uncles, aunts, other people, and that's how they developed. And yes. just by having your kids on the homestead, watching you, seeing what you're doing, Realistically, they're becoming a tradesman's assistant, aren't they? They might hand you a tool every now and again. And that's just can be the greatest learning experience for them. 
yeah. your kids are going to get back the knowledge that our grandparents and great-grandparents had and just knew what we take for granted today. If we didn't have a, a supermarket to right. where I could go and buy a roast chicken and get a salad, most people would die. They wouldn't know what to do. And yeah, you guys are really hitting the mark there. So it's that's what we're trying for. I mean, there's always it always feels like when we talk about it and people are saying we're doing great, it's like, oh no, but there's all this stuff we don't know yet. <laughs> we're really just winging it. But the the reality is 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 that's all that you need to do is just start to do something new that you haven't done before and learn that and learn that so well that it can become a new habit that you don't have to think hard about when you do it. And then you can just kind of add another thing in after that. And, and as things become a habit, you don't, there's, it's not, it doesn't feel like too much, you know, it's just one thing at a time. So whatever you choose to do, if you're in an apartment somewhere and you want to grow sprouts on your countertop, uh, my YouTube channel has a video on how I do that. And it's very, all you need is seeds and some water and you don't even need sunlight. So you could do that. And then you're really, you're growing your own food and sprouts are nutrient dense and mineral rich and fresh in the middle of winter, whenever you want them. And then, you know, if you have more space, you can consider, you know, other options, whatever piques your interest. Well, it's like, I think someone, it would be easy for someone um, to say in response to that, uh, like, well, I wouldn't exactly be homesteading if I put some, some sprouts on a paper towel in my, in my kitchen. I mean, that's so far from it, but there's this like, like I've come to look at it, it's almost like fractal of that everything is a step and there's always more. And there, and it's like it can start as big and it just keeps getting smaller and smaller, although there's that you get big ones thrown in from time to time too. Um, you know, like like uh an idea would be if you said, Well, I want to be self-sufficient, so I'm gonna buy an acre of land and I'm gonna put a well in. And you drill that hole and you've got your well when you run power out to it so that you can have, have your, your, a pump to pull that water up. And then all of a sudden you start realizing that, wait, I got to have these power lines. You know, this is far from, from self-sufficient. So I should get a generator and I'll get a generator that can run that in case that power grid goes down. And then you realize that when that, if that happens, you need gasoline to run that generator. Um, so then, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta also be able to pump this stuff up by hand. I need to be able to store this. And it's like, it can go on and on and on like any one. And that's just like one, one aspect, one small job. Yeah. And, and there are a million jobs to do and all of them, like you're like Lanny's saying, they get easier as they become habit and you get more into it. Um, but with each, with each step. 10 more steps are going to open up. And, uh, you know, like I'm starting to starting to have this same where I say prepping always leads to more prepping. Uh, <laughs> if you, if you, if you think you're ready, you're, you're not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have these ideas that like, okay, once I get to this stage, once I have these things in place, then I'll be prepared. Let the grid go down for I'm prepared at that point. But we, we, I don't think we ever really will be until like the grid goes down and then hope it's more like we want to put ourselves in a position that if the grid goes down, we'll have enough resources within our, within our own minds and with what we've collected and gotten going here that we won't, that we'll be able to find a new way that'll be totally different once, once the grid were to go down, if that was the case. Maybe we need to change our vocabulary around, like you said, it's not really homesteading when people are in an apartment or they're in the city. Maybe we need to change it to home learning because it's all those small little steps, as you said, Chad, that build up into you having this knowledge. And it's always the saying that a project never started as a project never finished. So yeah, sometimes you just have to have a go. And you might fail, you might fall down three or four times until you get back up. But Oh, and that's when the real learning happens. You know, you really learn from your mistakes. Yes. And like Chad used to say a lot, I don't know if you have this where you're from, but here we have like in the parks sometimes a bunch of nerdy fat kids with fake (laughs) fake swords like fighting each other. And it's called LARPing, which stands for live action role play. Yeah, we've seen that here. Yeah, We always say we're LARPing. We're LARPing at homesteading. (laughs) We're just live action role play because it's not. We don't really have to do any of this. We don't, we could go to the store and buy eggs, but right now we're just playing pretend while we still have a safety net. And then we'll just keep getting better at what we do. So if we didn't have the safety net, or if we 
didn't want to go to the store or if we had a bad storm, you know, we're just more and more prepared and and more, you know, ready. And not only that, but then we're continuing to try to move away from the systems that we don't want to support. So little by little things that we used to just, you know, okay, I'm going to buy this on Amazon or I'll just run to the grocery store have become things that we can make, or we can, you know, bring it back from, I'm not buying a loaf of bread. Instead, I'm buying wheat from the store. And then soon I'm not buying wheat from the store. I'm trading from a friend who has a a different friend who has a bakery and I traded them sausage to get a 50 pound bag of flour, you know? So just steps, steps away from that system. And to continue on that, that, that idea of it, of it continuing is like, eventually you want to be getting wheat berries. Mm -hmm. We were just looking into a mill. Grinding yourself. And then you want to be growing your own wheat. You know, like it's, 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 it's never ending. If, if there was an end to it, um, I'd be surprised. (laughs) When you say home, home learning, like I like that, but Also for me, homesteading feels like just making a focus on your home and not just having that be a place where you lay down to go to sleep and then wake up in the morning, you know, take a shower and go back to work where your real life is making your home, your, where your life happens. I think a really good vocabulary switch would be homemaking. Yes. Um, Yeah. You know, and, um, that tends to be applied to, to the, the housewife is the homemaker, the housewife who doesn't work. And, um, you know, he, he's, it's that, that, uh, nuclear family concept of, of, of she stays home and she's the homemaker. But like when you're homesteading, really you're, you're making your home. Every step of this is we're, we're both equal in the, the concept of, of homemaker for this. Lanny just focuses more in the kitchen while I'm focused more in the fields, kind of a kind of a thing Mm -hmm. and a million other things that get split between us. Right. And there's things outside we share. Like I do a lot of the planting, but then like when it comes to any of the heavy lifting or to build the garden beds or to put the fence up around it, then I just get to point fingers and (laughs) and he does the, the work for me. Um, yeah. And then sounds you know, very familiar for me, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And then, uh, it's, it's like a good balance. I mean, um, when, when Chad started staying home with our eight-year-old, it didn't actually last very long. He got called back to work at an old job that he had previously, but it was a really, um, flexible schedule so that he was able to, you know, both be outside of the house and, and earning a little extra income, but, and then, but still having plenty of time to do things around here. So then when I found that we were going to have a baby, I was able to step down from my job and he just picked up a few more hours. And now we're like, you know, everything we do here that is advancing our goals also saves us money. So then you find that you don't need to go and earn a bunch of extra money because the things that that could buy aren't so important to us. Yeah. You know, you need the occasional tools and, and, and other things, you know, pay off the tractor, but other than, you know, pay your electricity bill, but it's not taxes, uh, taxes, <laughs> but it's, it's not the, you know, the most important thing at going out and earning that other income and then finding more ways to, you know, trade with like-minded people and just keep out of that, that system is, is also that's saves you money. And yeah, the, get, the less you spend in that system, the, the, the richer you will be, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, because like, I don't know, even when we spend those fake matrix dollars, uh, if we're doing that with other homesteaders and mm-hmm. um, with other like-minded agorist type people, um, it all ends up being far less that you're spending than if you're, if you're going to the grocery store or you're going to, to, I don't know, whatever stores for, for all different kinds of things. And you're insulating your own system then. So you're not dependent on the system that's been created around us, aren't you? You're building up what our communities, which is great. Yes. All right. I'm going to change topic just the slightest bit. From my own perspective, I'm finding that the biggest lie that's ever been told to people of our generation is wait till you're financially secure, have the home, get married, then start thinking about having kids. I'm 33. My wife's 18 months younger than I am. And now we're only just starting that, that journey on trying to have a family. And we've had 12 months of troubles where nothing's happening at all. Mm-hmm. And having to see fertility specialists, which a lot of people are going through. Yeah. The biggest lie I found, especially for young women, is don't have unprotected sex because you'll fall pregnant. 
where there's only a small little window within a woman's cycle where she will fall pregnant. Mm -hmm. And all these young girls, they go on uh, the pill for so long when they're younger and they make sure they're having protected sex. They wait till generally they wait till they're married and wait until their careers established, have kids. But then they've lost a lot of their life where they could have been raising kids and starting a family. What do you think is the biggest lie that society kind of puts on on young people before starting a family. Oh, that's so huge what you just said. Yeah. I mean, the idea of them pushing birth control on young girls before they're even sexually active and telling them that that's going to help, you know, regulate their periods yeah. or help with cramps or help with PMS. It's just going to help your body be in better shape for the Without world. Without telling them that there's any concerns about regaining your reproductive health after you've stopped that. Without telling them that, you know, um, when you bleed on the pill, you're not actually having your period. You don't actually pass an egg. It's, um, it's, you don't, they, they just push you through the system without explaining it. And maybe if they told girls, yeah, you can only actually get pregnant about three days out of the month. Uh, so you should just like pay attention and like mark the calendar, <laughs> you know, there's other reasons of course, to be careful. And then there's, you know, the reason of protecting yourself emotionally. So you're with a partner that respects you and that you feel comfortable with, but the idea of putting young girls on birth control immediately and not telling them the consequences that could have is, is really a sad thing. And, and I think it is, it's to keep people from having kids. We didn't have our, I was, it was a month before I turned 30 when I had, we had our first so, and you're a couple of years older than me. Mm -hmm. So it's, we're close to in age to you as well. And we, we were married for together for two years before that. And we thought, you know, we were supposed to wait until we had the space in the house or something. And then we watched the movie idiocracy again. <laughs> and you re, have you seen that? The, a future documentary. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so I mean, current time documentary. Yeah. yeah. And then, oh, yeah. Know, the, the opening scene is, is the really dumb people just breeding like rabbits and the smart people just keep waiting and thinking they freeze their eggs and, and then they die. And the other one has this family tree. And, and we looked at each other and we we're kind of like, you know, we shouldn't try to not do, we should just not try to do anything and just see what happens because the people who are, you know, going to take care of their kids and that really love each other and, decent people. Those are the people who should have children and nobody's ever ready. There's never a time you're going to have enough money. There's never a time your house is going to be ready. You just, you just do it. And then you figure it out as you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's been like a slow burn psyop with all of it to keep pushing people back and back, you know, like, like, like you were saying, uh, you got to wait till not until just after you're married. First, you shouldn't get married when you're too young. And then once you do get married, you need to be together for a while. Make sure it's going to stick because, you know, you can always get divorced and, Lots you know, that's that. easier to do when the tender hearts of children aren't involved. So be together for a while, get married, be together, married for a while. And then, and then make sure your careers are, are, are all well set and that you have your house and, you know, you're, you're, you know your life plan and then start. And by then people are at least 30, if not pushing 40 and they're going, okay, now, now we're racing against the clock. We gotta, we gotta get, clock. yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta hit this now and start having, having kids. And then if they have problems, which of course, if they've been on the pill their whole lives and all that kind of stuff, but um, you know, like we, we feel it in our own families um, with, uh, like I have a sister who had, who had kids much younger and she's, we're close in age, but she, she had them when she was, when she was in her early twenties, maybe even only 20. And, um, due to her age difference between my parents, like they were very, very helpful with her, with the, with her kids, because they were still um, young enough to be active grandparents. They, they were, they were open to watching the kids and all of that. But now as, as you know, we're having, our, we have our second baby, my parents are in their seventies and they're tired and jabbed and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't, you know, they have, a, they have a harder, they have a, they have a much smaller role in our kids' life than they did in my sister's. And that's not because of any kind of favoritism or anything. I mean, maybe there's a little of that, but <laughs> that's personal, but, um, but there's, but it's, it's because they're so much older now. And if, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, say that I know some, some secret number, cause I certainly don't, but I feel like if people were breeding at 20 and then those, 
than those kids were to grow up and be 20 and have kids. You know, we'd have grandparents who are my age now, 40, who would be very involved with helping raise the little ones and helping the, the parents along the way, being able to very much so cook meals for, for the mother who just had, had the babies instead of, um, you know, in our case, we've, we've, we felt very on our own due to our age and our parents on both sides, they waited a long time too. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it gets, if, if everybody keeps waiting longer and longer, you know, like if we're kind of in this, if I think it should be when we're 20, but right now it's all happening when we're 30, and pretty soon it'll be when we're 40. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, you're going to be looking at 80 year old grandparents. First time grandparents with a newborn is they, 80. They yeah. finally <laughs> get their first grandkid and they're 80 years old and they can't see them very well because their eyes are going. But you could be the <laughs> president the of the United States. Later. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. They just get to meet the baby and then that's, and yeah. that's it. Um, so I, and, and I don't know, you know, when I say it's a slow burn psyop, I don't know that it really, is that it's controlled or not but you know i i tend to think that things like that are and it's not it's not improving the quality of our culture that's for absolutely sure absolutely not i think you've hit the nail on the head that it's a slow burn or that's incrementally happening so it's not as noticed it's like the frog in boiling water analogy that initially it was one wage could support a family it was that old school 50s approach to the world the father would go off work come home to the the doubting housewife who would make sure he's got his dinner ready and she's looked after the kids. And eventually it became the point where the women's lib movement, even earlier before that, fought for women's rights was fantastic, but it was just a way that the government could seize assets of a second tax in the household. And then that built on the economy that it had to be two wages to support a single family, which meant that maybe, oh, we can't afford to have that extra kid. We can only have one kid. I think the average in Australia now is supposedly 2.5, but we're seeing a lot of single children, families come through the education system at the moment. As a teacher, that's what I'm seeing a lot of. Maybe it's one to two kids in families now. Um, that's all built on top of each other. It's Society's almost corralling us to the point where maybe in the future we won't have kids and they'll be grown in incubators and you yeah. go into that predictive programming of the matrix and is that what the way society's going to go because a, a man-made womb is better than a, a dirty human one that could have all these medical complications it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. really scary to think where things could go yeah in regards to that when you see that incremental steps and you almost project what would be coming next it's interesting too is because when you think about waiting to have children until you're older and having those jobs established in the house and the car and everything else well with all of that comes debt and the longer you wait the more debt you have because if you're <laughs> playing that game you're just trying to have all the things check all those boxes to say that you're you know, a good stand-up person in society, uh, you just rack up a lot of debt. And that doesn't seem more motivating, especially if you think the goal is to be, at, you know, be financially stable before you have a child. If, if you're in debt, you're a slave to that system and you're never financially stable. It's always up in the air. And then it's, if you're in that debt yourself, you maybe know, but may not be able to access the best school for your child and that inherits its own debt. You have to put money aside for your child's education because there is the view that there's government schools and I've had to change my terminology around those. They're not public schools anymore. They're definitely government schools. Yeah. I like that. Generally aren't the best places to have your, your kid's education. There's the best, most well-meaning teachers in the world I think you'll find are in those public schools. But when you've got that interweaving government in there it makes things very hard for those educators to achieve the best outcomes for their students unfortunately oh yeah absolutely yeah when it when it comes to like teachers you know i think there are so many so many people go into teaching in government schools or any type of school because they have a big heart because they love children because they love learning and they want to pass that on to other people And when you're in a government school, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, the way I see it is government schools really take out critical thinking. And that happens as much for the teachers, I think, as it does for the students themselves. Um, The teachers don't don't put together their own ideas to, to, to teach the children. They they simply have to they have things they have to follow that. And, you know, even if they. I think they, they don't critically think about what they're teaching. They don't, they don't ask, you know, 
were the pyramids really built this way <laughs> to themselves? They just read it from the book and they tell the kids. And if the kids answer correctly on the test, then it's correct. It's not that they, that, that they, that there's anything nefarious behind these people. They really, they, they love the kids. They love, they love the education. They love learning about things, but they just aren't allowed to apply their own thoughts to it. Absolutely. You definitely say that uh, within the Australian context, um, we have a we had a national curriculum. Uh, our states decided to ditch that and have their own curriculum again. So understand that America has this common core, which is trying to take over and have a unified curriculum across the whole country. Is that correct? That's new, and I actually don't understand. I mean, new? I know the term, but I don't actually understand what it is. Yeah. I know they teach math way differently than they used to when we were in school. Like we might not be able to recognize what it is. That's what we're told. But I, I don't know what it is because we're so not involved. We're, in we're so not involved. But you know, Lucky. we'll talk to we'll talk to someone. Um, we talked to, it was like one of my dad's cousins stopped by who grew up around here and spent a lot of time in the house when she was, when she was young and she was observing us and our boys. And she's, she thought it's so great that we're doing homeschool because we can just teach them math, uh, the way, the way that math works. And, you know, I'm saying, what do you mean? Well, she has lots of grandkids and they're all doing this common core math. And she was trying to explain it to us. I couldn't even understand. I, I couldn't make heads or tails. And she went, yeah, of course it doesn't make sense. Cause it doesn't make sense to anyone. And the, <laughs> at the end of the day, they all get passing grades and it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I honestly can't wrap my head around what it must be. I almost want to, uh, I don't know, sit in on a class and, and, and observe it for myself. I suppose I could probably do that on YouTube. Probably. Yeah. I think there's stuff that explains it on YouTube, but I mean, like to the contrast to that is our son's biggest math lesson so far was probably when he decided to, we had an Agora on our property and he wanted to have a lemonade stand and we called it child labor lemonade, which was really <laughs> catchy for the crew that we had there. So he made, he made good money, but it was all about like you know, how much are lemons and how many lemons do you need and how many cups of lemonade are you going to, you know, what size cups do you want? So there was ounces and how many cups are you going to buy? Because they're in little disposable cups and calculating tax and, you know, uh, profit. And we talked about profit and loss. It was like, it was just a really fun way to dive into it. And since then, you know, when things come up, he has such a better understanding of how all of that works. Well, he has that real life, real life application now, doesn't he? He knows yeah. how to use it, and absolutely. Thank God Australia hasn't gone down that route of a common core so much as yet. Where when I was teaching maths in the classroom with my my third graders, it was one strategy may not suit every child, yeah, and everyone's minds work differently. So it's it was having like a quiver of arrows. Each arrow is a different strategy or a different way to approach a problem. If we all learn or have a go at each strategy, then we've all got these ideas that we can use when we're faced by different problems, which like what you guys are doing there where you've got those real-life real situations where you can apply that knowledge in the moment. That's much stronger learning than it would be sitting at a, de at a desk and having this broad concept in the back of your mind and trying to apply it later. Right. So well done. Thank you. <laughs> well, I used to say that when I was in, when I was in government school uh, as a youngin, uh, not, not so innocent, getting ready to, to drop out of school. And I was, uh, uh, smoking, uh, cannabis and things like that. And, and it suddenly dawned on me that these fractions they're talking about, that's the same as having an eighth of weed or a quarter of weed. <laughs> and it was like, for the first time ever, it was applicable to me. I honestly don't think I understood fractions <laughs> until I started trying to make money, you know, smoke for free and sell some of the weed that I bought so, <laughs> and understood, you know, so you save money buying in bulk because then you don't, it doesn't transfer as many times and there's not as much risk. And, and maybe <laughs> drugs or cannabis aren't the, aren't the greatest real world application, but that was a real light bulb <laughs> moment for me. And it should be true for all math that kids are learning. If they learn it through real life experience that they're of something that they're interested in and they're a part of, like in the case of the lemonade stand or, or any it, cooking, cooking is a big place mm -hmm. for math. Um, you know, if I, if I had been with my mom in the kitchen more as a kid, I probably would have applied those fractions immediately to, to, we say a quarter cup, you know, uh, you know, the, the different fractions of, of measurements there. Um, but instead, you know, from third grade until, um, 
I don't know, eighth, eighth grade, it was, it was a lot of these math concepts were just like an abstract to me that my mind couldn't, couldn't wrap itself around. I would just barely squeak by and get good enough grades that they didn't hold me back. But it, it wasn't until I started realizing there are things that I can apply this to the, to the real world. And by that time I was dropped out of school and I realized, Hey, I'm actually pretty good at this. I had a job as a carpenter, you know, at age 16, where all I'm doing is math. And just, a, just two years before that, I would have said, Oh, I can't do, I can't do math. My teachers have taught me that I can't do this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I've often had those conversations with parents where it'll be that, oh, husband's not good at maths. I'm like, your husband's a builder. He puts framing up for a living. He could grab a 5.4 meter length of timber and know exactly how to knock it down into fits and yep. without knowing it. He's got maths concepts. Just draw on what you know and try to pass that onto your kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, money's a good one. You know, kids, kids tend to understand the the money system as 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 they get a little bit older they they like stuff they like toys you know things like that and if they if they need to purchase them themselves so they need to earn their own money that immediately puts them into into the category of learning math yeah and also throwing them into that consumerism a bit early doesn't it mm-hmm. that's the that's the, the ebb and flame side effect they're gonna of do it, it yes. anyway you know they see when they when we would go to the store i would give our older son you know five bucks and say you can you have to figure out you know you can't go over mm-hmm. and i would and then he would check out on his own like set we would put a little divider up so that he his transaction he would be working with the you know teller the cashier uh, on his own. So then he was having to work through that and like have that social engagement and communicating with somebody he didn't know and, you know, getting change back, making sure he gave the right amount of money. And then if he goes over his $5, I didn't rescue him. I made him, he would sort it out with the, you know, decide what to put back. And we would talk about how now that person has to do extra work to go put that thing back, you know? So it's just this bigger picture. And now he's, like, can I have five bucks to go to the store? I'm going to get it all in the bulk candy section because that stuff's really cheap. I can get two pounds of candy. Like, oh, yeah. And and with that being, you know, it's it's you could look at it and say, well, that's not good. You're teaching them this this uh, BS um, uh, consumerist lifestyle or whatever. But if you just compare that, if you know, we're we're letting them live in the matrix as much as we live in the matrix. And if you compare that to some other families in today's day and age, they don't ever hand the money to their kids to go buy their own, to make their own decisions, buy their own things. Instead, they just buy them stuff all the time. And they have, and they have the the same consumerism is instilled into them, but without the value aspect of it and without the, the mathematical, which is, you know, good for, for learning and all that kind of stuff. But it's just, they, they wind up, you know, becoming adults and they're just going, why, where is everything I need? I need it handed to me when, um, you know, it's, it's hard to understand a budget when it's on a credit card. Mm. So when you give your kid, uh, access to their Nintendo and it has your credit card linked to it and they could just buy a game whenever they want to, mm. you know, there's no lesson there to th- that. It's, this is a finite resource that you've had to earn. Yeah. Or any other digital aspect uh, on your Amazon just let them hit a button and they can get any movie they want anytime. And that costs you money every time they're not, I mean, they're just not going to have any idea. It almost teaches instant gratification, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But everything's almost, just there yeah, at the hundred percent. It yeah. teaches instant gratification. With no, with no worker understanding how that got there. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. The value of it that you said that you can't, you know, if you don't value and understand the system, how are you going to navigate it the right way? Sure. I know that, within the just screen time and this will kind of go into our next topic of digital technology and raising kids and should they be around and how much screen time mm-hmm. and those types of conversations that within a classroom context you can see that kids who are on screens all the time who are these games are designed that they pass level straight away they don't have to work towards anything they're instantly getting that gratification if they want to buy more items for their game or more weapons or armor it's instantly there and you mm-hmm. see it, the frustration levels that students get when they're challenged by learning and they don't understand something, it can mm-hmm. be a complete meltdown at the end of the world where if you're raising kids to meet those challenges head on, if they go into the learning pit of 
I'm down here in the learning pit. I don't get it. How do I get out? How do I problem solve now? Screen time, I believe, has taken away a lot of that challenge of what is boredom. Boredom's there to challenge you to figure things out and work it out yourself and not have someone hand you the answer. Yeah. So where's what's your position on digital technologies and raising kids like iPads, iPhones, laptops, whatever? Well, um, we don't, he doesn't have a tablet or a phone. Um, we don't have smartphones. So really with us, it's like we use technology. We use the computer. Obviously here we are now, uh, we enjoy watching shit TV. So we, we, we sometimes watch dumb TV and comedies. We like movies. We like horror movies, sometimes play video games, like especially old games, you know, Tetris and Pac-Man and stuff like that. So it would be totally unreasonable to think that we could not allow our kid to have screen time at all. And then I've found from watching other families and our child's personality that the more you try to limit it and the more you give it a name like screen time, which we try not to say, um, the more there's resistance against that, the more that there's a want for that. So we don't specifically limit it, but we do try to gear him towards what he works, what he spends his time uh, doing. So YouTube can be used for research, but it's never to sit down in front of and watch video after video. Um, and he never watches YouTube unless he's in an open space in the house where I can hear what's going on, at least if not watching it with him. So there's that. And then Video games are usually more, uh, you know, bigger, immersive, like he's really into Zelda. So it'll be these big stories and there's lots of puzzles and, and he gets stuck on something and we try to kind of let him work through it. Yeah. We, we tend to play those like as a family, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's like we're sitting around and watching a movie, but he he's in control and we're, and we're all just kind of talking about it and, you know, being, we're all a part of the, the experience while, while it's happening. Uh, you know, as someone without a smartphone, it would be, I want to say it would be easy for me to just say, yeah, you can never be a part of that. You can't, you can't, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to ever have a, a touchscreen device of your own that you can just do your own thing, which he, he doesn't have at this time, but at some point he is going to have one. Uh, I mean, I have to assume, assuming that culture continues the direction it does, because we're not going to we're not going to cut them off. You know, I keep saying like the, the, you know, we're a part of the matrix too. And when I say that, I don't, I don't mean the Keanu Reeves movie. I just mean the, the culture and the society that we all live in the, 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 the rules and, 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 and not even rules, but just the, all the things that go on in, in daily life. We're a part of that. We're consumers. We, we, like Lanny was saying, we watch TV, we, we use technology and things like that. So it wouldn't, yeah, it just wouldn't be right to, to, to cut them off. I know when I was a kid, I always knew whatever group of, of, you know, like if if you're at a school or, um, uh, you know, some organization, there's always one or two kids who had never seen television. Like there, there was just no TV in the house. Um, they, everybody else said, Hey, did you see the Simpsons or, you know, whatever, whatever we were into. And, uh, there would always be like the kids that just don't know what you're talking about. And they were always like weirdos who didn't, (laughs) they got picked on and they didn't fit in and couldn't have conversations with anyone. I don't want him to not be able to have conversations. I want him to have the most interesting conversation in the room. I want him to be able to question some of these things that are so commonplace for other people and not, and not be just this kid who's out of the loop who says, I don't know what a touchscreen is, but did you guys know that we never went to the moon? (laughs) I want him to get along and be a part of the group. And then when the moon landing comes up, he could say, well, I don't know. Some people think some different things, (laughs) you know, It's that fine balancing act, isn't it, Chad? Even if it's conversations around The Simpsons, hey, have you always noticed that Homer's always a dumb dad and you look at Peter Griffin on Family Guy, he's an idiot too? What's up with yeah. that? Yeah. Right? Why? Why are they saying dads are stupid? Or I bring it up all the time, but when you get a new baby, if you get hand-me-downs or you go to the store, half the slogans on the baby shirts are about how dads are stupid. Mm-hmm. It's like directions <laughs> on how to put the baby's head in the right hole. And this one's where the, the feet go or whatever. Or it's like, you know, like 
just, I don't know, just the stupid or like just sayings you don't want to think of like, oh, I'm spoiled or little monster or I get what I want, things like that. I was like, why are we telling people that dads are dumb? And what? And, and we're propagandizing this on our baby's on clothing. Infants, yes. <laughs> It's, it's shocking, but you you know, in our house with screens too, we watch TV, but a lot of the times we watch TV together or we'll have movie nights and it's not, it's always a conversation, especially this day and age, you can pause it and just talk like, you know, there's the Simpsons actually, it's a lot of uh, our curriculum. I I used to (laughs) just to piss people off. say yeah, we do the Nintendo curriculum and, um, you know, Simpsons could be that too. My new joke, because we do, we watch the Simpsons together. We'll watch old ones. We'll talk about things that are antiquated and how it used to be and how that's different than today. And what's this messaging in here? And why do you think they want people to think that? And you know what I mean? There's just a lot there. If you're present with your children yeah if the tv is the babysitter and you put it on in a different room and walk away from that and you do that so you can go whatever be on your tablet or drink your wine or hang out with your friends then that's negating a big part of your responsibility as a parent we we watch some very mind-numbingly stupid children's programming that's that's current that he wants to put on and we watch it with him. And I point out to him, I point out to him constantly and not in a negative way, but I just, I, I, I'm constantly pointing out the propaganda that's in particularly the children's programming, but adult programming as well. Um, because some of that stuff, it's, it's really dumb. And, you know, I, I I'm not, going to suggest that cartoons were less dumb when I was a kid or anything like that. They were dumb, but they were all propaganda. It was through cartoons that, that everyone that's my age was obsessed with space and NASA and things like that. And I think that came from, we were all programmed by the same children's programming uh, that showed us all of these things. And um, when I just, I, I just like pointing out to them the themes that are in these things and pointing out what, you know, they're, they're, they're showing you the way things are in their opinion of how the way things are. We don't necessarily see them that way. And there are other people who see them differently than we do as well. You know, there's, there's lots of ways to look at things and the cartoons are only showing you one way. And that's, it's true of all programming, all television programming. And I just think it's, it's really good that if he is going to watch that mind, it's, it'd be much easier for me to say, if you're going to watch um, Uncle Grandpa, which is about the dumbest kids like show it. I that it's, I, I, it's it's <laughs> it's dumb enough that that it's that it's funny, but it's like if you just let your kids sit and watch that oh, all day yeah. and didn't talk to them about that, they would have some pretty bizarre questions about life. I think, or maybe not any questions; they're just shouting stupid. Yeah, stuff they wouldn't the actually time. be questioning anything, <laughs> yeah. but, but they would. Uh, they'd have a pretty warped view of things. Yeah, and that's different than when we were young. Like you couldn't just put on the same thing to play for two hours straight, but like you had to go with whatever was on TV, and it would be broken up with commercials, and that's a whole nother. And like when we were kids, Nickelodeon was was a thing. You know, like we didn't have it or anything, but I it was it was around when yeah. it was twenty four hour children's programming so that you could just start plopping them but down. it's not the same show in a row you know like where no. now kids can say my favorite show is blank and there's six seasons of it and they just start it from the beginning and play it through they over hit and over play on, on their netflix or whatever player and before the credits are done on one the next one of that same show is on and it'll play that for however many hours there are of episodes. That, that's something I've really noticed is that young people, like our son doesn't notice when the the credits will be rolling and in the corner, it'll say it's going to play the next episode in 15 seconds and it starts counting down. And I tell him when you're done with this episode, we're done for now, we're going to go outside and it'll get that counting down and he's still enjoying the music from the credits or whatever. And it starts in without playing the intro again and he kind of like it like it hypnotizes him in a way where half the time he'll forget that he's supposed to cut it at that point and then it's kind of like but uh, let me just finish this episode i'm like no it just started that's like 28 minutes <laughs> yeah, like he, you know he, he's being mesmerized <laughs> by the credits rolling by and then it's almost like the credits are just interrupted by 
another little bit of the show, but that's actually the beginning of the next episode. Yeah. So I think there's really something to that's uh, That's very intentional. And it, it keeps people watching TV, I think for longer than they realize. And YouTube's the same way. It'll just start the next interesting video or that'll pop up a few ones on the screen right before it ends. And he'll want to click something because the picture looks cool. So it's like, that's being there with them so that you can now we stop and we do something else and then we can watch TV later. And it's not this big deal around it. Think about the social interaction it's taken away from back in our day when we watch a TV show, it might only be on once a week. And when we go back to school and we talk to our friends about, Oh, what do you think is going to happen to this person? How are they going to get out of it? Cliffhangers are all but dead now because you can watch the next episode Mm -hmm. or at best you have to wait for the next season to come out, which you binge watch that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. kids don't even get the opportunity to talk amongst themselves and come up with ideas and use their imaginations. What could happen to characters next? That's mm-hmm. a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, even if a, if a new show, if, if, a, if a family starts watching it, watching a new show, the idea of even just like spacing that out one day at a time, uh, so I think is, is, is an odd concept to some people, you know, they're like, well, there's only six episodes, so you can watch that in a night. <laughs> You know, and it's like, yeah, but maybe if it's good, you'd want to space it out by, I mean, realistically, a week apart is is kind of good. It lets you digest it and take in other things and think about lots of other stuff. And especially if it's a, a show that makes you think or is 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 really well done, uh, spacing it out is it's it's going to enhance the quality of it. If you watch it all, you know, if you watch six hours of it in a row, um, your mind is mush and you probably don't remember by the end of it. it. You're not taking it in the same way. Especially the way we watch TV is like, we pause. Oh, did you see that thing there? And then there was chemtrails in the sky. (laughs) Watching stuff with us is probably insufferable, especially for like a real normal person. Cause we don't, we, we make it like 30 seconds at a time. And then it's like, do you pause? You see the programming that's going on. Like it's, uh, particularly if it's just the two of oh, us, yes. I, I force myself to let it roll sometimes when, when the boys watching and stuff, just to let, let it, let it actually be absorbed instead of constantly pausing it. <laughs> But you definitely get hypnotized. If you sit there and you're binge watching a show, like you said, it's just, it's almost coming at you and you're sitting there. You're on autopilot. You're just watching. Like mm-hmm. I'm one person who's binge watched shows. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't oh, these yeah. days, but, yep. but I now go back and I'll just watch an individual episode. And like you said, you notice more, you're actively yeah. watching. You're not just yep. a participant sitting back and letting it come at you. You're actually engaged in it at that point. Yes, Very definitely. different viewing. For sure. All right, I think we might end on. Okay. I've got a story. It goes back to your to the tech stuff again. In Australia, we have Kmart as well, like you guys do, I believe, where there was a household and a father had a daughter. She was, I think she was 16 at the time, and she was getting repeated emails about congratulations, you're expecting here are the products for your child, for your baby when it arrives. Um, baby's clothes, all sorts of stuff. She kept getting these emails to the point where the father got quite irate about it, emailed Kmart, rang them up, abused them about it all. It turns out she was actually pregnant and the algorithms on her computer picked up she was pregnant before she actually knew she was. Freaky. Oh, that's really creepy. Very creepy. So my thought in that is what else are devices picking up from our kids when they're using them? Like we've got cameras in all our devices now. It's not like Mm -hmm. a Sega Mega Drive when I was a kid. It's all analog. You plug it in and when you're done, you're done. That's uh, very true. Like uh, the, there's been a few times when I have an iPad and um, I tried to set up some app that was supposed to be for learning for kids. And you could, you, they ask you all these questions, their gender, their age, just so they can curate this perfect little lesson plan and stories for your kid. And then they want access to the microphone and camera because they're going to listen to your child say a word out loud that it's reading or something like that. And I was like, no, I'm not letting you have my microphone and my camera. Cause can you think about that? I mean, we're just letting this company or, you know, whatever aspect of it, this robot version of this company into our house, just to collect all this information about them. And to think that kids have an iPad with their own name attached to it. So their own identity completely. And then that follows them as they grow. I mean, if you can think. It takes a head on view of them when they're looking at this thing all the time. So they can, 
see when the eyes widen and get narrow and when they're shooting off to the side to see advertisements or not and how long they're looking at the advertisements, you know, there's a lot can be learned right. from, from, from observing someone from those things. It's uh, it was a couple of years ago. I heard someone, I don't remember what her name was. She works for Amazon and she was taught, she was saying, she was talking about the future of Amazon and they, and she said that they're, they believe that the search bar is currently that I think she said that they viewed it as a flaw or or something to that effect that they wanted to the the ideal uh direction that I, Amazon was moving in was that they would remove the search bar because they should already know what you want at all times that's and that was like just so one of the creepy. creepiest things i'd ever heard you know like it's like you know and at the time i couldn't quite compute it but as i've looked at things more and more and i start realizing how much time people are spending looking at their camera and there's um, and how much time those these devices also listen to us and listen to our conversations. Uh, we we have a a story of not long after we moved in here, uh, we were having some trouble with some pipes from our well, and I was I was kind of frustrated. It was the end of the day, and it was it was kind of late, and we were talking about what was going on and the conclusion for the particular situation was I said, well, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to start digging to find this pipe. I got to find this pipe. It has to go off to the North in this direction, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just going to have to, I'm just going to have to put a shovel in the ground and start digging and we'll find it. And then we'll be able to do what we need to do. Anyway, we did all that with, with the TV on and we were going to watch, watch some TV. We had it paused it and we were talking. Yeah. And it's an Amazon fire stick, which you can watch all this stuff for free with ads on there, you know, just for like these free apps and stuff. And that's what we had. We had it on there and it was like ready to go. And then we hit, hit play and some ads come up. And for the first time ever, we see an ad for this, uh, like our local county call before you dig. It's illegal to dig even on private property. <laughs> Until you have proper permits, yeah. here's the phone number to call. Yeah. And then and the next commercial was for a plumber. And I was like, <laughs> this is not something that we're not crazy, you know, crazy people. This is literally happening. They're telling us it's happening. I'm witnessing it happening. That's nuts. It's like, that was just so targeted. And right in that moment, it was really real. We don't know. We have conversations all the time about is it the microphone listening to? Well, we know it's listening to you because I asked for permission to access your recorder and your camera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like sometimes you think of a, of something and you're trying to problem shoot in your own mind, and you'll randomly see the solution come up in an ad on like a social media platform, or you'll see it somewhere. And I'm really divided on is that the algorithm being so good at knowing who you are, knowing you more than you know yourself, or are you drawing from the Akashic record? There's all the ideas that I've ever known are always going to be there. It's yeah. almost blurring the lines now where if they've got it set up so perfectly, we may not even be able to access the Akashic record because they're giving us the answer straight away. Yeah. Thought provoking, but it's always something I've toyed with. Recently. Yeah. That plays in, you know, just the idea of collective consciousness and, you know, I mean, like, I don't know. Cause I, I, I can go pretty deep on, on what I think about, about consciousness and where it comes from. And, and, um, if if I go deep enough, it starts. It gets it gets pretty woo woo, and within that, I think that uh, there's nothing that would stop me from from being able to at least entertain the idea that say Amazon could co could access our collective consciousness and literally be able to know what we're thinking before we think it. Yeah. Scary times. We don't even need the Neuralink for it yet. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. Neuralink just could all just pocket. be. Yeah, it could just be like a distraction to make it that they that we don't even notice that they're, they're accessing us that. on. Yeah. On yeah, a much absolutely. deeper level. We've got the Fitbit on, and it's keeping our pulse and mm -hmm. all of the other stuff, mm -hmm. our steps, our sleep habits. It's that's crazy. And if you think of people who have medical devices that do that, you know, a pacemaker, or um, I know people that have, you know, an, uh, an insulin pump that is, you know, you mm -hmm. install it and change your needle occasionally, but it keeps a record of your blood sugar and you're putting data into your phone for everything you ate that day. I mean, it's, it's really detailed. Or think of my uncle rest in peace who had an external heart Yeah, in a fanny pack his uh, he had heart failure and they they 
gave him an electronic heart that he had to wear and keep charged. And it did all the work for him. So I guess that was like kind of experimental. That was, there were, there were, you know, medical journals wrote about him and stuff. Cause it, oh, wow. it was, he was a really extreme case. He was very, very obese for many, many, many years and went through a whole lot of things. And yeah, he, he probably should have passed away five times over, but they kept a university kept doing stuff with him until he finally, he lost a lot of weight and he walked around for the remaining like two years of his life with a fanny pack, which did all of the work for his heart for him. Crazy. Unreal. The blending of man and machines becoming more and more closer to one side. And at the moment still external, but still governs so much of our lives, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. I might get you guys to end on with just a few words. What is the point to family? What is the point people miss when starting a family in a few words, if you can? It's all about love. Yeah. It's about having a relationship with someone that you can trust and rely on. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, having that community of like, not, um, not your coworkers or your friends, but someone who's committed that you can travel through the life with and to raise kids with a person like that. Um, and instill that in your children, then you just, that's the village, you know, that's the tribe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And continuing that family to, to be, to be its own tribe. I agree with, uh, with, uh, I think Hillary Clinton said recently that it takes a village to raise it, to raise a family. And I think it does. I just don't think that she and I think of the same thing when it comes to a village. She's thinking the, the, the government and we're thinking, I, I like suspect literally not literally. Yeah. <laughs> but How can you be trusted with your own children. Come on guys. But it's so true. And it all, it's all from the spark of love. And I, I think that that's something that, um, it's not something that's necessarily just handed to us, but something that we, we have to work at. It might be handed to you at one point of that. You realize, ah, I'm in love or something to that effect. But then that is a working relationship. That's a, that's a, that's a living thing that you have to, to nourish and, and be a part of. And if you and your partner love each other, you will definitely love any children that you have together. And if you, and, and again, that's not just a given. I think a lot of us go through life um, saying, well, of course I love my parents and I love my, my sister. I mean, they're my family. I, of course I love them, but it's not something that they actively work at and um, truly come to love each other. There are definitely families that do. I'm not saying that those don't exist, but I think that it's, easy for us in our current culture to be able to slip out of that. But in reality, it's something you got to work at all the time. And, um, if you, if you love your partner and collectively you love your children, your children are going to love you right back. And that's, what's going to make for a good family. Perfect. If things come easy, it's not worth doing. That's for sure. And I'm just going to say that definitely back to what you're saying, love and trusting people. If you can find someone that you trust, enough and you love them having a kid's just an expression of your love together isn't it it's not having a kid because the neighbors have done it or it's something your parents did it's not just the expected norm you're having a kid because you love each other and that's the ultimate expression of love that's a really good way to put it yeah uh i i think some people might look at kids as almost a commodity or almost um a burden or or a burden Mm. or there's kind of some different different ways that some people look at look at children um but the reality is, is they, they are, and they should be an expression of love. That's a, that's a really great way to put it. Fantastic. I think it's a great spot to finish it off. Thanks again for coming on for my very first show and help me out with technical difficulties. That yeah. was definitely yeah. my learning curve for today. So honored Fantastic. to be your first guest that you reached out to us first. That's Thank great. You. Definitely the best uh, podcast out there to start off on a positive. Thanks for joining me. Uh, is there anywhere you'd like anything you'd like to plug for yourselves? Where can we find you guys? Oh, sure. So um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Greener Postures and on YouTube, uh, the Preserving Today YouTube channel. Um, I also do fermentation workshops and I've got another one coming up on May 15th and another on June 5th. So you can email me if you have questions about that. 
And then Chud is on Deborah Gets Red Pilled and Into the Apocalypse as well. Mm-hmm. And our podcast together is The World as It Is Today. That's right. And you can find us through Podbean, but you can find us on Apple or Google or Podcatchers elsewhere. Yeah. Fantastic. Go out and give these guys a listen. They're fantastic. Once you listen to one, you want to binge it, but don't try and listen to one episode a week. It'll last longer. <laughs> yes. You don't want to get sick of hearing us talk. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks oh, for having uh, us. Yes. One question for you, though. Can you do, yeah. an, can you do an American accent? Um, I can do quite a few accents. Uh, I can try a Southern one. Okay. Um, let me see. Well, I was down in New Orleans. Close. <laughs> Sounds yeah. kind of Australian. Does it? <laughs> no. Oh. Um, I think the closest one we could get to is probably the Boston accent because Australians and the people of Boston have that mixed heritage of Scotch-Irish. Sure. Uh-huh. So New York, Boston would probably be closer. Cool. Like uh, a, pod, a podcast I was listening to a while ago. There was a guy and he was walking through the streets. He said, oh, hey, watch out. I'm walking here. And then this woman stopped. Hey, no, we do not sound like that. <laughs> stuck into it. And she said exactly the same. The lady sounds just like Peter Griffin. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Oh, that's great. Great. Was, that's- uh, and so, since we're, we're asking stupid questions. <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> I have a question that I feel stupid for asking, but you're down, you're, you're in Australia. You're in the Southern Hemisphere. When you flush your toilet, what direction does that toilet spin? No one can answer. I can't, I can't say I, I, from what I'm told by the Simpsons, it goes the opposite way. Right. Yeah. But do you actually look at it and can you tell? You're going to have to no. do this research tonight and get back to us. So I ours will. goes <laughs> counterclockwise. Okay. That's that's I'm all taking, I know. I'm and taking the, your word for it. And I think, and I think, but I'm not sure because it's one of these things that you don't really observe. We're just told, but I, I think it always goes that way. When I try to when I try to picture it, I always picture it going <laughs> counterclockwise. <laughs> and I don't know. I've heard some flat Earth uh, minded people um, in recent times. They're just like, that's bullshit. It goes it it goes in both directions on both hemispheres and. That's all just a psyop to tell you that it's different. In the two I'll, I'll do the research for you, but then Thank again, you. Australia doesn't exist. Remember? Oh, oh, that now that could be. Have you heard that, <laughs> that that theory that Australia does not exist? No, I uh, haven't heard of that. That, seems that was weird. a Twitter thread. It was nuts. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> oh, have have you it. done any research on that? Have you? <laughs> I'm <able> tr- to <laughs> pro- <laughs> Are you sure you're in Australia? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Could it all be a hologram for all I know? <laughs> no. Oh man. <laughs> now we're getting deep. Yeah, I do. And it gets good after the closing, as always. That's why you always you want to record till the last second. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Right. All right. Well, thanks for having us, man. This has been great. No, thanks for helping me out today. It was very much appreciated. Absolutely. Couldn't have done it without you. For sure.